This begins in Mark chapter 14, verse 26. It says this, when they, this is Jesus and his followers, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, let me just pause. Last week, we talked about what happened at the Mount of Olives. We're going to skip over that here in just a moment, but I want to give you the two events that happened immediately before and after what we read last week at the Mount of Olives. So when they had sung, they went to the Mount of Olives, verse 27. Jesus says these words. He says, you will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, and don't you just know, Peter is going to be the one to speak up in this moment. Peter declared, even if all of these good-for-nothing guys, you know, that's what he's thinking, if all should fall away, I will not. I'll tell you the truth, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself, Peter, will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same thing. Now, skip down to verse 66. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You, you also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those now standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him before the rooster crows twice. You will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. If you want to know the title for today's message, I want to give you it. It's just three little words. Are you ready? Here it is. Today's message is simply these. God already knows. God already knows. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, remind us today in no uncertain terms that God already knows. And this is really good news that God already knows. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all those who agreed said... Amen. Often, we try to present to one another a pretty picture of who we are because we don't think that we'll love one another or you won't like me or this or that. But here's the reality. Jesus knows every bit of you. He's seen the good. He's seen the gross. He knows you and yet he still loves you. See, if he did not know everything about you, you could find a moment in your life where you say, well, he wouldn't love me if he knew this about me. 
But he says to you, he says, I know everything about you, and I went to the cross for you, even knowing every bit of it. He chose you. He knows you, and he chose you. In fact, one of the things I think so brilliant is the very first verse that we read there, verse 26, it says that they sang a hymn before they went out. This was part of the Passover meal. They would sing many different psalms from the Old Testament as part of the Passover. These were the Hallel psalms that they would choose. And they would typically end the Passover meal by reading the great Hallel psalm, which was Psalm 136. And wouldn't you just know it, that this would be the one that has these words to it. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures, how long? Forever. And then the psalmist is like, oh, but you didn't hear me the first time. Give thanks to the God of gods. Why? His love endures forever. Oh, you didn't hear that? Hear it this time. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. 26 verses end. His love endures forever. Oh, but if he only knew, he knows and he chose you because he really loves you. It's good news that he knows because now you will never doubt that he actually loves you because he knows who you really are. The second thing, let's jump ahead. The second thing is this. It's good news that God knows because it means you don't have to hide from him. It means you don't have to hide. In fact, it's silly to hide from God. How many of you have ever played hide-and-go-seek with, like, a toddler? Anyone? It is a magical experience. Uh, my kids, when they were real little, we would play, and we still do. They've gotten much better at it. In fact, I, I wish I'd taken a picture and shown it to you. My son is just a master hider. I, I find him in the weirdest places, and he, he even wears clothing that matches the place where he's hiding. He is just brilliant. But when they were little, they didn't quite figure this one out, and so to find a child playing hide-and-go-seek was as easy as looking into the middle of the room because the child would just be standing there doing this. You can't see me. Do you understand that when you try to run from God, you're like a child standing in the middle of the room saying, God, you can't see me, can you? Listen, he knows everything about you. He knows everything you will ever think, say, or do. He knew this before he created the world. So you don't have to hide from him because he already knows you. How many of us know it is exhausting to try to hide who we are, hide what we've done, hide how we have behaved from other people and from God? It is mentally taxing and emotionally exhausting to try to present a picture to God and to others of who we are that is not truly who we are or what we have done. And think about the, the, just the ridiculousness of this. If God is the source of life, if he is the one who gives you what you need to live, then why would we run from the one who gives us life? Often we think, well, God, I've messed up, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to go away for a little while. I'm going to clean myself up. You're really going to like the new version of Josh. Josh 2.0 is much better. Oh, that one's not good either. Josh 3.0. No, I'm now up to Josh 25.0. It's still not any better. But we think if we go and hide and we try to fix it ourselves, but church, wasn't it, isn't it true that the reason we get in the messes that we made is because we have run from God or hid from God to begin with? Why do we think hiding from him further will fix the problem? Instead, he says to a group of people, 
who are just beat down by life, he says, come to me. All of you who are weary, who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your weary souls. He's saying, you come to me, don't run from me, because God already knows you don't have to hide from him, because there is nothing to hide from him. It's good news that God knows because he really loves you. It's good news that God knows because you don't have to hide from him. And number three, it is good news that God knows because no matter what you've done or what you will do, it doesn't have to be the end. It doesn't have to be the end. One of the things I love about the Gospels, the four accounts of Jesus' life, is that each one of them, like an eyewitness to an event in our day. You know, often when something happens on the news, they will interview different people and they will all share different details of the same event, but from their perspective. And so it gives us a richer picture of what happened. One of the things I love about the Gospels is we get different pieces of the picture from the different Gospels. And Luke, one of the other writers, when he tells the story of what happened, he includes details that Mark does not. And one of those details is this little phrase that our Savior said to Peter that I thought was so impactful. In Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32, Jesus says this as he's predicting betrayal. And and Peter goes, no, it won't happen. Jesus says this. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you all as wheat. In other words, he's asked to really work you over. But I have prayed For you, Simon. Now pay attention to that. Isn't that good news that God is a God who actually works on your behalf? In fact, Scripture teaches us that there is but one mediator or one person who speaks on your behalf, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ prays for you, talks to God about you. He brags on you. He says, this is my boy, this is my girl. And in this moment, he says to Peter, he says, I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Listen, you can fall, but that's different from failing where you don't get back up. I've prayed that your faith may not fail. And notice this, and when you have turned back, when you have turned back, when this is over, you're going to come back from this. This is not the end. You don't see what you're going to do, but I see what you're going to do. And I also see that it is not the end. When you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. I think someone in here just needs to know that it is not the end. I don't know what you've done, but God does. And he's saying to you through scripture that it does not have to be the end. When you turn back. I saw a sign in the spring of this year. I went to California on a trip with Dad. We hung out for a few days, and I saw this sign as we were driving. There's this beautiful, beautiful, old, uh, it looked like a 1960s uh, gas station, but they'd really done some work on it. It just looked beautiful. And they had some of these old beautiful, restored, classic cars. And there's this great sign out front. And it said, we specialize in restorations. And I was driving by, I thought, if God had a sign, his would say, I specialize in restorations. 
Yes, I know everything you've done. I know everything you will do. I know what's going on, but you need to know, I am not done with you yet, Peter. And he says to you, he is not done with you yet either. I was reminded of that when I was talking to a friend of mine who's in our church. Shane Shepard is just a champ of a guy, and we were chatting, and many of you may know that he has begun a group here in our church on Sunday mornings at 9.30 for people, uh, really just a a place for people who want to kind of work on some of the stuff in their life, areas where maybe they were controlled by things to work through that. And, And I was talking to him about this, and Shane began to share some of his story with me, and he's given me permission to share Shane grew up like most of us or many of us in a church home. He had great mom and dad, great church family. But how many of us know it doesn't matter how great your family or your church, we all have choice. And when he turned 17, 18, late teens, he he began to get sucked into drugs and alcohol. And and, and he said it really just, it sunk its teeth in deep for years he walked away really from church. He, he'd show up sort of the periodic Christmas and Easter, the CEO attendees, Christmas and Easter only. He'd show up some, but that was about it. And he said, it just, it wrecked my life. That was the thing that kind of kept dragging me down. But by God's grace, he found freedom. He, there was a, a 12-step group that he began to be a part of, and that was the first step, if you will, of restoration, And he told me over the phone, he said, Josh, by the way, uh, I just celebrated 17 years of sobriety. And I was like, that is awesome. Isn't that awesome, church? And and he says, so we talked some more. He said, but but here's the thing. It, It wasn't that day that I came back to church. He said, I've now been back in the body really for about 10 years. So I want you to follow this progression, church. That restoration doesn't always happen in one simple step, but it is a series of steps. And you need to know that just as God already knows everything that you will do, good and bad, he knows the path he will choose to draw you back home. By the way, moms and dads, those of you who are worried right now because of your children or grandchildren, it's not over yet. It is not over yet. Don't you dare listen to the lie of the enemy who wants to damage what you are believing in. You go back to the Lord and say, just as you can restore Peter, just as you can restore others, just as you you restore my son, you restore my granddaughter, you restore them. Spouses, you need to know that your marriage, it is not over yet. I don't care what has happened. By the grace of God, he is able to restore broken things. Friends, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's holding on to you. I don't know what addictions, what challenges you're facing, but you need to know it is not over yet. Yes, he sees the end from the beginning, Isaiah 46 says, meaning he sees everything that will happen, but he also sees how he can work through it. The beautiful thing of Shane's story, and I think this is the beauty of all of our stories as God restores, is that now Shane is just this, He's just this giant of a guy. He's a blessing to this body. And, and he's begun to use his experience to help others through their experiences. He shared with me this great quote from AA that I thought was just great. He said this. He said, this is in their literature. Cling to the thought that in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possession you have. The key to life and happiness for others. With it, you can avert death and misery for them. 
Do you understand that although we do not wish pain on one another, even though we wish and desire and pray that we will not fall to sin, God can use any, any, any sin, any stumble, any setback to bring great good and great glory to others because God already knows. Church, the worst thing that ever happened in human history is what is about to happen in the text, the execution of God himself. Church, The greatest event in human history is the one we're about to read. It is the ransoming of your souls because of the execution of God himself. It is not over because he knows what's coming and he's got a plan to work it out. And so all I want to say this morning to you is wherever you are, God already knows. He knows what you're dealing with. He knows where you need to step up and change. He knows where you're struggling. He knows your guilt. He knows your fear. But because he already knows, it means he really does love you. It really means that you don't have to hide. And it means it's not over yet.